This edition of the USCC Expo Experience on CannabisRadio.com is brought to you by Regulated Solutions, your partner for producing compliant cannabis and hemp brand events. Learn more at RegulatedSolutions.com. CannabisRadio.com proudly presents the USCC Expo Experience. Featuring one-on-one interviews with speakers, exhibitors, and attendees from the United States Cannabis Conference and Expo. And now, the USCC Expo Experience, only on CannabisRadio.com. And we're here with another edition of the USCC Expo Experience, or another on-location interview from the Penthouse Party up on the 23rd floor of the Hyatt Regency downtown Miami. I'm joined by one of the panelists that was on the Cannabis Banking Weighing the Obstacles and Options panel. Uh, accompanying John Cerny of Herring Bank was Sam Fenterstock. He's the Senior Vice President of AG Adjustments. Sam, thanks for joining us here on Cannabis Radio. Thank you very much, George. Pleasure to be here. So, before we get to your presentation, I want to go and just ask you about, uh, if I don't know how much what somebody has been asked about, but the growing issue in the banking industry is the Safe Banking Act. If there's any chance of any passage of... Uh, hearing and what are you thinking that might be uh, if that's going to be a solution that we're going to see someday or something similar that will really relieve companies from having to go through alternative routes to do their banking so um, obviously we're all believed that it's going to pass the question is that when it does pass what does it really mean you know does it provide full banking to all the companies in the cannabis industry that needs it and the belief is not every bank is going to just jump into it as soon as it happens. And everybody's you know, really jumping on the top that, you know, every time we see, oh, another session just went through through committee. Oh, it's getting closer to getting to be uh, maybe put down there for a possible passage. But I think people are getting a little bit prematurely excited about something that they don't even think might even be the end-all, be-all answer. Right. So, you know, I'm on the uh, NCIA's Banking and Finance Committee, and, you know, one of the topics last and week... And we very vigilant about yeah. that. And, and one, of the, one of the topics that we spoke about at our, our, our kickoff meeting last week in San Jose was just about what would the effect be if, the, uh, if, if it got passed. And, and the thought is, is that not every bank is just going to jump in and all of a sudden offer full-blown banking services to the cannabis market. So, you know, while it has, um, you know, measures that definitely help advance the potential for full-blown banking services to the industry, you know, the only thing that's really going to provide full-blown banking to the industry is, you know, de- you know, deschedulization of cannabis and, 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 and then giving, you know, the companies the ability to bank as normal businesses. You know, one of the things last week in our banking committee we joked about was that hopefully in two years ago, we won't need a banking committee because banking uh, will be available as it would be to every other, you know, startup business in, 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 in the U.S. And so um, while, yes, we're all positive, we all think it's going to happen, it still doesn't mean that, you know, every cannabis business is going to be able to walk into a bank, open up a bank account, take out a $100,000 line of credit, and have the services available to them that, you know, any other startup would. That's just unrealistic to think that that's going to happen. Before I go into your angle about the panel that you presented on credits and collections, I want to ask you about if the FDIC and SIPC, will there be changes they will need to implement or will there be another governing body that needs to come in to work on this? Well, once again, that's the big question. Um, if you look at uh, cannabis and compare it to alcohol, right, um, they didn't create an extra uh, you know, agency in order to govern, you know, I mean, yes, you have the alcohol and tobacco, uh, you know. Uh, uh, you ATF. Know, right, you have them and they created that, but 
a lot of times, a lot of campuses will say, should this fall underneath their, uh, right, you know, exactly. their domain? Um, so, you know, it, 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 it's definitely a question because if you think about cannabis and you relate it to, you know, any other pharmaceutical or you're related to something like alcohol or tobacco, how are those, you know, regulated and how are they govern? And you would think that it has to fall into the realm of one of those. The question is, which one is it going to fall into? Right. So talk to me now about credit and collections. Uh, there was a lot of things talked about when it comes to friendship credit, when it talked about um, just the lines of credit you're able to go and get. Uh, I guess, you know, it's really about the trust factor that you have between anybody who wants to be able to go ahead and offer you basically a loan. Uh, is there any kind of loan services that are out there where, you know, you are getting that line of credit besides the line of credit? I mean, what, what no, options you know, are there for no, companies? You know, that is the biggest challenge for this marketplace. Unless you're a highly... Um, you know, highly financed organization that has venture money, hedge fund money behind you, you know, you can't operate like a normal business. And, you know, um, I've spent 30 years in the credit and collection space working for corporate America. Um, my involvement in the cannabis industry is, you know, a pet project in a lot of ways because I know the value of, you know, this plant and what it does for people and what it does people medically, you know, recreationally and so um, you know the challenge that that companies are having in the in this space is that not having access to banking limits their ability to grow as a business if you look at a typical startup company outside the cannabis industry on day one they walk into a bank right and they take out a bank account right and then they go in and they use their personal credit and they get a line of credit with the bank and after operating for six months, they go to the bank and they get a loan. That gives them the ability to then start extending credit terms. And one of the things I mentioned in my presentation today is that if you look at how companies grow, it's impossible to grow real growth, right. trading one for one. Right? And that was yeah. one of the points that I made in my, my presentation today. If I have a dollar and I can only buy a dollar, then only I have is a dollar. Right. But if you look at how normal business operates today, they have zero dollars, and that company gives them four dollars in credit. They get four dollars, and then they take that four dollars and they sell it for eight dollars, and then thirty days now they pay back four dollars and they made four dollars. Right. That's the way businesses grow. The cannabis business has been handcuffed. Yes. By not having the no, no, take 280E and put it on the side, right? Right, right, right. Because 280E has been a big problem in the cannabis market. Of course. But if they didn't have 280E and they still had where we are today with banking, it's impossible for cannabis businesses, the startups, to really grow. The only guys in this industry that are able to grow are the ones that go out and raise. 25 million, 50 million, 100 million dollars, and therefore they have the, the they have the the funds to go to a company to offer credit terms. But as I talked about today, um, I've been I've been at. I'm gonna have a hypothetical question for you, and then maybe this is way out of scope, but I'm gonna try to ask it. So, what if you did have somebody that was a startup, and maybe in the contract that they had when they were gonna give you this funding, that it is treated like a line of credit, and that the basically. If you do not properly use the money, or say there's some kind of a default that you do towards that investment, it's not being properly used. Can they come back and collect? Well, well of course, because anytime you're dealing in, in a an investor scenario, in your agreements, there's documentation that says what the recourse is for a default. But if you think about it, 
I, I run a collection agency. My collection agency is one of the leading agencies. We do Google's collections, DHL, FedEx, oh, wow. U.S. Food, Staples, Advance Auto. Like we work with multinational companies. And can you give me a number of probably the biggest collection you've actually accrued? Did you actually be able to collect back? The biggest individual receivable. Correct. Close to a million dollars. Oh, you know? oh but, man! But, but take in mind that my company in corporate America, companies. Companies know the risk that they're taking. They know that they're going to have a certain amount of collections every year, right? Most of my customers, two to three percent of their receivables are delinquent at any one point in time, and most of my customers, the largest asset on their balance sheet is their accounts receivable. Wow. So the thing you have to think about as it relates to the cannabis market is I'm not talking about today. What I'm talking about is what happens three years from now. When cannabis is legal, the banking industry has been normalized, and now you have five to 10,000 businesses that are in startup mode in a market that is now in, inundated with the need for credit. And most corporations today don't want to pay cash for their goods and services. They want credit terms. The same way that when you go, George, to the, to the bank and get a credit card, you don't, when, when the bill shows up, you don't pay them right away. You have time to pay. Or when you buy on that credit card, you don't go immediately to the bank the next morning and pay your bill. You have terms. That's what corporate America is. And that's what's going to come to the cannabis market. And what we have done at, at, at AG Adjustments, my organization, is our goal is to try to educate the cannabis industry about what's happening in the world of trade credit because as the industry evolves and changes, this is an issue that every single company is going to have to deal with. And if they don't deal with it, they're going to go out of business. Right. Point this, clear. Heed the warning of San Fencer stock right here. This is knowledge. You need to be aware of this. And if you need to go ahead and find out more, don't just take the warning as just, you know, a flat threat. No. Take action on this. How do they go and talk to you? So uh, you can visit our company's website at AGA Can. Oh, sorry. Our 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 cannabis website is AGA Canna Collect C A N A Collect dot com. Um, also, you can email me directly at Sam F at AGA Ltd dot com. Uh, I have a, a lot of information uh, on the internet. Uh, I've been published by the NCIA, uh, MG Magazine, uh, Cannabis Business Executive. Uh, so those are all places. Search Google for trade credit and cannabis. But uh, folks, if you're in a business in the cannabis market, you need to look at credit collections because right. that's part of your business in the future if you're going to grow. There you go. Sam Fendersock, again, Senior VP of AG Adjustments. Thanks for being here. With us Thank you very much, George. I appreciate it. Hey, my pleasure. Very nice.